Hey everyone, this is Dan Reynolds, and you've tuned into Sales is Hard But, the podcast. During the next few minutes, you're going to come on a journey with me and a great guest from in or around the sales world, and they're going to share how they make sales a little less hard. Hey everybody, this is Dan Reynolds, and you have tuned into another episode of Sales is Hard But, and we have a really, really great uh, guest today from the world of marketing. Uh, Clayton Pritchard has been spent time at Google, Twitter, LinkedIn. He's been head of marketing at Pre- Prelay, the Prelay? Or yeah, Prelay, Pre-Lay right? Prelay uh, <laughs> and Momentum. Uh, also head of marketing at uh, Momentum. So we've got tons of insight on marketing and the changes and what's happening there, but also really interesting stories from Clayton. And I think we're going to kick it off as we always do on this podcast. Clayton, sales is hard, but sales is hard, but it gives you skills for you taking your career, even if you're not in sales. So I, I started in sales. Um, and so I've got that context and, and I think it's helped me in a couple different ways throughout my career. T- tell us about how you started in sales. Uh, yeah. Um, I think there's like three jobs that I would count kind of pull down to like a sales job. Uh, one, um, I, one of my, like my very first job in college basically was orientation team for new students coming to to campus. And um, that whole job is about getting people excited and sold on, they made the right decision and and everything. So maybe it's a little bit more customer success than sales um, because you're also making sure that they trying to make sure they don't flunk out, they get involved, all that good stuff. Uh, But I think that job talking to a lot of people, we did um, I went to the University of Central Florida in Orlando. Uh, for those who don't know, it's like the largest, one of the largest universities in U.S. with um, like over 60,000 students. And so we had like 20 orientations over the summer um, that I was doing and gave me the ability to talk a lot in front of smaller groups and large groups and really getting getting rid of that fear of, of speaking in front of people that I've been able to take now Um for uh into my career whether that's in again small groups like meetings with maybe important people or or what maybe i'm presenting at a at a conference or something like that um and then i was at um uh, a digital marketing agency was one of my earlier uh, jobs as well still in college and most of the job was managing google ads and campaigns for customers but i we also wanted to test out a new service it was called Google Business Photos at the time. Basically, it's those 360 video, 360 pictures inside of a business. If you want to like walk around street view, basically inside of a business. Uh, but it, we were selling to small businesses. And so I actually went door to door to restaurants and stores and things, trying having some pamphlets and, and trying to sell um, and uh, hearing a lot of no's. And uh, but it was like I said, I think it was good experience on on understanding that it got me my gig, my first college gig, I think, um, our first gig out of college at Twitter as well, where they really respected the, uh, not only is it cold calling, but sort of that door-to-door salesperson. I mean, if you've cut your teeth doing door-to-door sales, you can do anything. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's our, that, I mean, now we all get nervous when we pick up the phone, you know, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a cold call. Deep, yeah. deep breaths, meditation, say the words, pay, knock on somebody's door, go <laughs> into their house or business. That's a whole nother level of rejection, yeah. potential rejection. 
Yeah, I mean, usually they reacted pretty positively, um, I think, but it was definitely like, Tommy, also, how do you explain something? Because small businesses are usually less technical, too. And so how do I explain to them what this thing is, why they need it? Um, I would say we weren't the most successful in selling, or I wasn't the most successful in selling it, um, but... Uh, but it was definitely, we got a few customers and, and a couple of those turned into, it was really like expansion play, get them in with $500 or wherever it was for, for this service. And then hopefully sell them sort of a longer term um, ads campaigns that we had managed for them or something like that too. It was also where I was able to get my first time managing a team. Um, I, we hired two salespeople and three uh, photographers who I was, uh, I managed as well. Once I sort of got it running a little bit, um, and so that was that was great experience there too. Yeah, amazing. I mean, again, like if you can, if you have that foundation of <laughs> you know getting over the fear of speaking and rejection, and you know, I think it sounds like if this was def- obviously the path to product marketing and marketing for you, great, great story, great foundation. So for all you sellers out there who are just starting, you never know what where, what the path is going is is going to take you, but. Uh, that's good stuff. And I think we're going to speak more about the marketing side and what you're up to now soon. Yeah. But uh, what we're going to do a quick rapid fire just to break the ice a little bit here and and see how my research is, uh, my research <laughs> skills have been. Well, so I'll, I'll say I'll say a couple words and then you just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. It, it, it can be silly. It doesn't matter. We're going to start with the steel curtain. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh and uh, and the the the. Football team. You got it. Uh, Florida. Home. Uh, that's where I was originally from um, and spent the first 22, 23 years or so uh, growing up and going to college. San Francisco. Um, started my career. I moved out. Um, it was actually a funny story. I graduated on a Friday, flew the next day and started that Monday at, at Twitter. Um, moved out. Technically, had signed a lease, but didn't have the job or didn't have the uh, had not paid the down payment because I was like, I haven't seen this place in person. So, yeah, started the career in tech, um, which has now been a, a long career so far, at least. So, We'll stay on that theme. Twitter. Yeah, the first job and the reason I moved first first job in in tech um, and I got started in sales there and um Anyways, we we can dive more into that, but that was uh, my first sort of tech sales. Great. We'll we'll stay on the same thing. Google. Yeah, another. I think it's helped me get to Twitter. Um, having that being a Google student ambassador, um, it was where I wanted to get the job, and I'm actually glad I didn't. If we want to talk about that, uh, I, I'm glad I didn't get that sales job uh, versus uh, getting the Twitter job. Bubble tea. <laughs> um favorite dessert or drink uh for those that don't know i've got a uh a foodie instagram page the boba nerd um and so not a lot where i'm at right now in indianapolis there's not a lot of boba um a little bit more in 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 pittsburgh we're hoping to go to next but digital nomad yeah that's this year so like i just said in indianapolis now for this month um, Pittsburgh for next month. I'm doing a different city every month because the Bay Area is expensive. Um, and so I got to figure out where I want to live long term after spending eight, nine years there. Okay. Rapid fire is over. Now we're going to 
to, I'm digesting that. It was fun. It would be <laughs> great. Um, I want to talk about the last one first. Tell us about, you know, your digital nomad experience. When I first met you in Las yep. Vegas at the SES conference, I think you were just preparing to take this journey. Uh, tell yeah, everybody yeah. what a digital nomad is and where you are at in your journey. This is fun. Yeah. So, I mean, over the past, what, three years or whatnot with the pandemic, a lot of people have started being able to work remotely. Um, and so in my um, most recent job, uh, leading marketing at Momentum, Momentum's a fully remote company. And so I took that that time as a, a chance to now I can work anywhere. Why don't I go and figure out where I want to live long term? So like I said, the Bay Area just keeps getting more and more expensive. We had a little bit of a drop in price um, for 2020, 2021. But now with everyone coming back, um, they they increased their prices again. My actual, actually, my apartment in San Francisco, in San Jose, they were trying to increase the rate by like fifteen percent, uh, an extra like four hundred, five hundred dollars a month. So that was the extra push. But yeah, trying to figure out where we want to be. So we spent one month in uh, at the beach in Florida um, to start it off in August. Um, so that was a fun cross country trip from California to Florida to start that off. And then, um, like I said, we spent September in, in Indianapolis and next um, is Pittsburgh, but we're going to hit like Denver, Chicago, Salt Lake City, um, going to do the mountains in North Carolina, going to do um, Yellowstone. And then that's about, we've got nine months planned right now. So we have a three, three extra months to figure out um, maybe there's some places we want to go back to. Maybe we really like the beach, but we don't, we didn't love the beach that we were at. Can we try a different one or something? So. That's amazing. Yeah. A lot of adventures. Like what a, what a time we live in. <laughs> that, that, that's just incredible. So um, you're doing the digital nomad thing. Um, let's talk about the bubble tea uh, because I know yeah. this is a big passion of yours. You said there isn't a lot uh, in, in, in the, you're hoping for some in Pittsburgh. Where did the, where did the, where did all of this start? Actually started at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, restaurants were shut down, but like boba shops were not, um, right? So you could get things to go. And so I was like, well, I don't have as much to do. Like I, um, my marketing passion extends into uh, social media a little bit. So it's like, let me let me use my um, my passion of, of boba uh, or bubble tea and let's uh, maybe make a page around that. And it ended up being pretty relatively successful. I think I have like 3,700 followers right now. Um, the nice thing is it does get me uh, the occasional free meal or or free boba. Um, and so I don't make money off of it, but I uh, get some free free stuff is always nice. What's boba? Is that short for something or just slang? So there's different, yeah, there's different words. The The official name is boba. Um, and it's the it's the little balls um, at the bottom of the drinks. Uh, some people call it bubble tea, um, but uh, the like original term um, and primary term is boba. I think if you go, especially in the Bay Area where there's a higher Asian population, because uh, it's an Asian uh, drink or uh, more dessert, um, they call it more boba there, but finding more on the East Coast or, or whatnot, it's bubble tea more often. Uh, it just sort of depends on the, the demographic makeup. It's such a weird sensation when you're drinking through those big straws and all of a sudden that ball shoots up there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something to get used to. I had my mom try it once and I didn't warn her and she uh, she choked on it because she was yeah. <laughs> not prepared. 
So it's definitely something that um, you got to get used to because you're not used to drinking and eating in the same, in the same, I guess, slurp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll promote your page at the end of this again. We'll try to get you as many uh, comp drinks as possible. <laughs> but you spent the lo- obviously a lot of time in the Valley. You've worked for, you know, like Twitter, Google, LinkedIn. I mean, these are like the biggest of the big. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, that Google experience and then the transition yeah. uh, into marketing because that's what you do. And I want to I hear about that as well. Yeah, so I um, when I was in college, I was a Google student ambassador, which I, I think they still do. I don't know if they do it anymore, but basically, it was um, it was like field marketing um, for Google Allen campuses, and so they wanted us to promote um, the Chromebooks that were kind of getting popular back then, the the Nexus tablets that they had. Um, there was a little bit; it was less of a focus, but if you're for instance, um, for instance, if your college was a um, Outlook shop trying to get them over to G Suite. Um, so all those sort of things when they also had, um, the YouTube music awards and they, so I planned an event around that, um, and had people come out, um, and so that they could sort of promote that and give away free stuff. So it was a lot of like, basically just engaging the student population around Google and sort of promoting the brand. I also worked with, um, the recruiters when they would come on campus and help them sort of secure space and promote it and all that. Um, so I did that. And, um, like I said, I think. Even though it was a student ambassador, it helped me to get that job at Twitter. Just having the name uh, on the resume is always good because I think I think what it does for people is it it lets them think like, okay, this other company already vetted them, um, and so maybe uh, that's you're already sort of passing some sort of bar. Um, but I got my first sort of real job in tech working at Twitter on the SMB sales team, and like I had said earlier, I really wanted to be at Google because I was a big Google fan, um, but I found out later that it was probably a blessing in disguise because the Google sales team is huge. Um, and so there's, there's, although they sell like, hey, you're gonna be able to get promoted and move into other teams or whatever, there's just thousands of students coming into these roles and there's not enough, say, entry-level marketing roles or what or whatnot for you to move into. Um, and, and it ends up being almost support-like because they're they're really trying to hit numbers and and um and everything whereas the twitter team when i joined it um it was um like in the first 20 and 20 people on that smb team and so they're really just trying to still figure it out figure out what the um what the numbers were going to be for them what should the quotas be all that sort of stuff and so it was ability to sort of build something and have a little bit more say and and also um to not only was I doing the sales gig, but I was able to work with the marketing, the SMB marketing team on managing their ad campaigns and all those sort of things. So that was super helpful. I ended up leaving Twitter, not because I didn't like Twitter, but because there weren't, I wanted to move back into marketing. Um, I found like I did that while I was in college and um, tested the sales thing out, but realized it just wasn't my thing. Um, and I wanted to move back into marketing. So that's what, and ultimately why I left to go at High Five, which was a video conferencing startup. And and tell me about the transition, like, you know, fully into marketing and what that journey has yeah. been like since. Yeah. Um, so I started as growth marketing um, at High Five using the experience that I had um, in college managing ad campaigns for customers. And that's why they they hired me. And also when I was at Twitter, it's an ad sales gig, right? So I'm still helping small businesses to optimize optimize their ad campaigns. 
And so that experience actually led well into going back on the marketing side. Um, I slowly, because uh, High Five was about 75 people when I joined, uh, slowly was able to sort of transition from growth marketing into product marketing, which I found to be um, even more of my passion. Um, I think with, with growth marketing, it's one of those things where it's a little more exciting at the beginning because there's a lot of optimizations you can make. Um, but over time, you start to get to where you're maybe 10% or less for, um, um, less of an optimization, you're getting excited about 10% improvements and conversion rates or whatever. Um, and I just get less excited because the numbers, those numbers go down. There's, there's less of that there. Whereas product marketing, there's always a new feature coming out, always new research we need to do. We're changing pricing, um, the helping the sales team with sales enablement, all that good stuff. Uh, and I found that in the product marketing role, it was helpful to have that sales background uh, because it allowed me to be a better partner um, with the sales teams, really understanding. I think one of the biggest things that I, I say a lot, the people that don't have that experience don't know as much is um, just the wide breadth of different types of people that do sales, um, especially in technical acumen, even in, a, even in tech sales, there's people that like really understand, for instance, what to do in, in Salesforce or really understand like what this technical product does. And there's other people that they lean more on. They're just like, they're better at building the relationship, better at making the sale, um, but maybe not as, as technical. And so you really have to, when you're being a partner to the sales team, realize there's people across sort of that spectrum. I think more so than any other team where maybe there's people that aren't really technical, but there's not generally people that are super technical on the same team. Um, and so I, I think that's been helpful. And then really understanding like what is the um, incentivized, like how are they incentivized and things too, because that's that's important no matter who you're talking to, your customer, your other partners, really understanding what incentivizes them. And so having that experience on the sales team, I think has helped me, like I said, to just be a better partner and in sales enablement um, as part of product marketing as well. Okay. And then you, then you went and became head of marketing and yeah. we'll, we'll touch on that in a, in a second, but what I think might be interesting is if you can tell all of us what it takes to get promoted, like how do you know, what, what, what were you went from a student intern into sales and then growth marketing, product marketing, head of marketing, what are some of the things that, it, of course, it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. What are, what, looking back on it, what were the most important parts of your journey that helped you continue to grow the title and the roles? Yeah, I think it's, um, one big piece is having curiosity. Um, and so, and what that means is doing things, being interested in doing things outside of your current role, right? In order to get promoted, especially, like I said, I made the transition from growth marketing to product marketing. Um, people don't do those and like sales into marketing, even though I had the marketing background, it was still difficult to sort of make that switch. It, and so people, uh, they you sort of can get stuck in a rut. And I think the best way to expand, um, which is what I did at Twitter and then at High Five, is that Twitter, I was doing sales, but I was work trying to figure out, can I work with the marketing team to help with the ad campaigns? Can I help can I work with the sales leadership to help with um, uh, the email campaigns and helping the team set up, okay, here's the copy, here's how we're going to set up these sequences. And so starting to lean a little bit more into the marketing side. And then when I was at High Five and I wanted to start making the move into product marketing, it was, can I build these relationships with the engineering and product team so that I become a product expert? I've already got the marketing side. Now I've got the product side and to where I got to a point where my manager actually said, 
um, who was the VP of marketing in all of these sort of executive meetings. He's like, you know more about the product than I do, even though I'm in sort of these meetings where I should know sort of know what's coming. And so I think expanding and being curious in other areas and trying, obviously you have to really do your main job well, but trying to expand your duties, um, especially if you're in a startup, it's a lot easier. Um, at LinkedIn, for instance, it was harder to do something like that because there's so many people, there's somebody already doing those things generally. Um, so it's harder to find like, okay, where's the, where's the gap that we need somebody to do and sort of fill that. Um, so I think that's super important. And then now, because I have this wide breadth, that's really what you're looking for, the, what people are generally looking for when you're getting up in the higher leadership roles is um, if I had just had product marketing, for instance, it's like, okay, this is going to, he's going to be our head of marketing, but he really only knows the product marketing side. So then we'd have to hire somebody to do the growth side because he can't do that or vice versa. Um, but because I can do both, I can basically start as maybe a high level IC and then grow, grow that role and sort of grow the team from there. So I think it's important to just have a wide breadth of knowledge in addition to sort of some, a couple areas that you're pretty deep into. That's great. That's really good. Um, I'm, we're going to try a new segment here and I'm throwing this at you out of the blue. Uh, it, but I think it's, it's interesting because you spoke about, you know, being at Google, I mean, early, not super early, but it was what it was. And then Twitter, it sounds like it was relatively early. Uh, the set, this segment is called back to the future. So let's imagine that you are in, in the marketing world, you fast forward, like, let's just say two or three years because things move faster in, in, in startup and technology. So imagine you went forward two or three years and then you came mm -hmm. back into this conversation. Now, where do you, what happened? Where's this thing going? And we're not going to show yeah. it again in two or three years, unless you're exactly right. <laughs> in which case yeah. you're going to be a, a massive uh, superstar, but I'm, I'm always curious to, to just get your perspective on it. You've been like with big companies, with small companies, we shoot you forward three years. Now come back in time. Tell us what happened. Yeah, as long as nobody puts me on blast on the with the Twitter account, freezing cold takes. I don't know if you follow that. Uh, they usually do business. Listen, they usually I, do sports takes. But um, I fell into the trap, bro. Uh, I'm a <laughs> pretty big Buffalo Bills fan, and we have nice. had obviously a huge resurgence. <laughs> I grew up just you know down on the other side of the lake from Orchard Park, and we're all caught up in being Super Bowl favorites. And the first two <laughs> games, it was like, we're going 17 and 0. We're winning the Super Bowl. I'm planning a tattoo. Like this is 30 <laughs> years of anguish and pain being released. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then, and then, and then, uh, Bill's mafia was in Lauderdale. Right. And then when the team buses came through and there was like thousands of Bill's fans going crazy on the side, they put it up on Twitter and I'm like, we're blowing them out. <laughs> I was so sure it was, I'm so sure, I was so sure. And then all of a sudden I got the, the Mark Cuban, uh, you know, tweet, uh, you know, GIF of taking notes from these Dolphin mm -hmm. fans. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh shit, oh shit. I just wrote a check. <laughs> I hope I'm able to catch this thing. And all these Dolphin fans were taking screenshots and I'm like, okay, okay. It's, and then of course we blew it. Yeah. And then yeah, I yeah. just got, I got, sl I've been, I got slammed. I, I just got slammed. I it's think, still going on uh, to today. Today is what's day Thursday. The game was on Sunday. <laughs> I'm still getting slammed. Like all, all you can imagine. I don't want. I mean, I'm sure maybe people are listening are going to check it out. I got slammed. I'm still getting it. 
<laughs> yeah, well, um, I think it's because you guys didn't have Gabe Davis. I think that was uh, he went to he went to UCF. He actually also went to my high school just a few years Whoa. behind me. So, so I think um, I think he was your your missing link. So hopefully he'll be back soon. And then he was back. Not a hundred. He was back. He, he oh, okay, was back. Okay. He dropped a touchdown. He had two feet down. Didn't complete the third step of half of a legal catch, which is a football play, whatever yeah, that yeah, means. Yeah. Uh, but the crazy thing about that game, and I, I, we've totally gone off topic, but that's fine because my next podcast has It's your to be podcast, good. so you do whatever you want. Thanks, thanks, Clayton. <laughs> um, the Dolphins built this stadium, and they and the home half of the field is in the shade, and the visiting mm. half is in the sun. And yes, we yeah, did beat yeah. the Dolphins 35 nothing in the exact same setup last year, but uh, on Sunday's game, it was 120 degrees on the field, and, and we lost, like, the we were going down like flies. Like, players were dehydrating. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Stefan Diggs is like, he had full body cramps. He had two <laughs> IVs after the game. That's and he crazy. thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to die. He said he's never been so tired in his life. And uh, so now we're thinking about how we can rig it, like, the December rematch in Buffalo. Like, yeah. Just yeah, just the now you guys got to make sure that it's it's freezing cold for them and they'll have no idea. They won't be able to move because they'll be so cold. So. Anyway, uh, I got nailed. I got I got I got killed on, on that. So, no, I, I don't think there's enough. Uh... Anyway, what do you think is going to happen? Let's, <laughs> let's have your hot take. Um, yeah, I think um, I think we'll see more PLG, but I think I think we'll see more people doing marrying product led growth and sales together. I think that's the thing. That we'll see going forward is um, is this idea of, of allowing people to use their product and then giving the sales team better leads. Um, I think that's one thing you'll see more of because today the sales team they don't want to call someone who doesn't know what the product is or, or whatnot. So the sale, even though I think there are some people that are some salespeople that are worried about PLG maybe taking away from the sales team, I don't think that's ever going to happen. You can't do you can't sell a a hundred seat. Um, thing uh, a whole a whole company or whatever with with just PLG, uh, so I think that's one piece um, that we'll see. And uh, it's it's not the one thing I don't love about PLG is that we have this new it's got too trendy I think, but uh, and this new word we've been doing you've been doing some version of free trials or, or whatnot for a long time. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's one piece. Um, let's see what else I think. I think another one that we are already seeing is that um, marketing campaigns are going to be harder to target without first party data. So if you, for instance, um, Facebook for, uh, and is their stock's been going down even before the economy sort of tanked because of iPhone or I, iOS um, and not allowing for tracking as much. So I think those sort of cookies and tracking and all that stuff is just going to get harder and harder um, and so we're going to have to get a little more creative in, in using first party data to to target customers and prospects on the marketing side um, because people are going to be interested in their privacy so i think those are my two not i don't think two out there hot takes uh, since both are kind of already happening um but but anyways that's what it is but I, in all fairness, I didn't prep you for that for that segment. The Back to the Future that was just out there. Um, I, by the way, the PLG like I lived at Alusha for a few years, and you know I guess it was what like four years ago I started there, so it was relatively it, it was happening. 
But when we started, yeah. the PLG wasn't wasn't a term that anybody used yeah, to yeah, describe yeah. what we were doing, even though it was exactly, a yeah. million percent PLG. And and then it evolved into like we had this traditional sales floor, you know, SDRs, yeah. BDRs, ACAEs, and success. And it didn't fit. It didn't fit the PLG. Mm. It yeah, didn't you have to fit. do it together. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Like I think there's a huge evolution uh, there, and it's continuing to take place. So that was that was that was great. Um, okay. So wow, this has been great. Um, let's just talk a little bit more about uh, marketing and 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 what you love about it right now the most. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like I said, for me, it's it's product marketing is is where I really enjoy like figuring out the messaging and positioning. Um, I think like really understanding your customer um, and and making those tweaks. The the part that's interesting on the uh, for an early startup is usually you don't have a lot of data, so you're sort of doing things. You're trying to corral it together um, based on really anecdotal data, um, and then starting to test from there. So I enjoy. Um, I enjoy that though, where like, what's, we've got a challenge we have to go solve. The, the answer isn't um, obvious and, and we've got to do a lot of testing to get there. So I think, I think that's one piece that allows me to use sort of the analytical and sort of creative sides, but using the growth marketing piece as well as product marketing, because I'm creating the messaging and now I got to go test it to see, to see how well it works. Um, so that's one of the things I really enjoy. So good. That's so good. <clears throat> Excuse me. And yeah, we're like, I've also, you know, been working with early stage startups the last few years and like, there's nothing like rolling up your sleeves yeah. and getting dirty and really trying to figure out what works and A-B testing and iterating and pushing things forward. That's great. So, yeah, I think um, the, one, go ahead. The, one, the one thing I was gonna say, I think the one issue that you have generally in early stage um, is getting everybody on board with how long you have to run that test. Um, because uh, I, especially I've worked with, uh, sales teams where they're like, okay, I, I sent this email to like 50 people. Now I'm ready to start the next. It's like, no, we didn't, we didn't send it to enough people. Uh, we've got to run it for a week or two, even though we want to move quickly. Sometimes we have to slow down a little bit um, in order to make sure that we're, we're working really successful. So it's definitely a balancing act between doing stuff when you don't have enough data, but also trying to get some data um, and, and moving quickly, um, but still making sure that you're, you're, you're using the, the A-B tests and, and all that sort of stuff to make sure you're doing the right stuff. Yeah, that's great. From the sales perspective, as long as we know the why, it makes it a lot yeah. easier. And, and yeah, like the other thing that I've learned is like there is no short game in the startup game. Like if, if, if you don't have the patience to see it out and do it properly, it's, uh, yeah. it's not going to be worth it because it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're going you're gonna to be testing all kinds of things. Um, you're never going to get true signal um, if you you send it to 50 people or, or whatever it is. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great. Wow, Clayton, this has been great. Um, and you've also got a nice portfolio of, of social and websites. Where can people find you? Yeah, so on LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com slash IN slash Clayton Pritchard. Um, and then I also have my own website, ClaytonPritchard.com. And then for Boba and Food Rex to see sort of where I'm going on the next adventures um, at the Boba Nerd on, um, uh, on Instagram. Love it. Clayton, thank you very much for your time. This was, this was uh, at least on my side, time well spent. It was really good. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it was great. Uh, thanks for having me, Dan. Okay. And, and if you're still listening, we're at the end of the, today's podcast. 
Uh, thank you for making it all the way to the end, and we'll see you next week. You've reached the end of another episode of Sales is Hard But Podcast with Dan Meadows. Thanks for making it all the way to the end, and we'll see you next time.